Welcome to Bleeding Edge Interviews. I am your host, Super Dave. Thank you for joining me as I spend some time talking to the people responsible for all the amazing music you hear on Bleeding Edge on Toxic Radio. This is where we get a little bit of insight into the minds of the people who are making the choice on a regular basis to deviate from the norm and push the boundaries of rock and metal. When you're as dedicated a Rush fan as I happen to be, it is only inevitable, I would say, before you find your way to a band like Why Why Not? A band that uh, is a prog band and, and an original band all in their own, and yet also will have a penchant for playing a lot of very lovingly recreated Rush covers during their concerts, uh, which was largely how they built their following. Billy Alexander, their primary uh, writer and, and the guy who first pulled it together, uh, and their virtuoso bassist, Tim Starachi, were kind enough to spend some time with me talking about both the band, Why Why Not, its origins, and, and how they grew together out of a mutual admiration and love of Rush. But especially what's exciting to me to talk to them about is their upcoming concert, January 7th. This one in particular is a special, special event. Uh, as it so happens, it falls on the third anniversary of the passing of Neil Peart, lyricist and drummer of Rush. And these guys have put together something special for that date. And I am very excited for it. I am so glad I'm going to be there. And I was more than happy to talk with them about it and really help to spread the word because it supports a wonderful cause. So without further ado, here is the interview with Billy Alexander and Tim Starachi of Why Why Not. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me this evening. I'm very glad you were able to be here on uh, almost kind of short notice, really. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, good to get to fit in with all the holiday uh, preparation going on. Hopefully all of that has gone smoothly for the rest of you and not quite uh, the train wreck that it might be for some of us. <laughs> well, that train ain't hit the station yet. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So let's start off with the basics here. Um, you guys make up one half of the band Why Why Not. In general, tell me just to the start, for those that are not already familiar, uh, what the origins of the band are, how you guys came to be, how you connect with one another, and uh, you know how this all grew into what it is now. Well, I mean, it started from the last Rush concert. Um, not only that I saw, but it was the second to last one, turns out, obviously, that they ever performed. And um, I just got an idea to, for fun, uh, create an original tune uh, that just had a lot of overt nods to the period of their career that really inspired me as a as a youngster. And just as a tongue-in-cheek, I just titled the tune Why Why Not, sort of a playoff of the YYZ thing and, and everything else. And then um, posted that on some some online groups that got a little bit of attention. And while, while it was on there, uh, met Tim through... Um, through some Facebook rush groups as he was playing uh, some amazing bass on a Rickenbacker 4003, I think one 4001. And, uh, and then we struck up a friendship online and then we just, uh, we started doing these rush covers. Uh, there you go. That these one. rush covers as, um, uh, like collaborative things from long distance. He was, uh, I think in Florida at the time and I'm on the West coast and, and then uh, we just basically decided to see if we could uh, continue as a real band. And I started writing more songs in the vein 
of uh, of the kind of you know early Rush material, and then we started playing live. And uh, you know, here we are. I don't know what six years later, something like that. I think so, man. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's, it's all your fault. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you're 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 to blame as well. It's both of only a little. No, yeah. no. Seriously, man. I I had I had not touched a bass in sixteen years. Didn't even own one, and I just got one out of a fluke, and then uh, got back into it. And I, I didn't think I would do anything more than doing these cheesy, you know, bass covers from my kitchen, you know, and then seven years later, you know, look what I get to do with this guy. You know, it's so cool. It, it really is neat, you know? Yeah, that, that's amazing that, uh, that it could turn into something that could grow into that just from an online connection. It, it really did. You got to be kind of half crazy to even attempt it. And uh, I guess... We're both half crazy, so that makes one full crazy. <laughs> and, and we're how able did to you, pull it off. You know? Yeah. And it sounds like you do, at this point in time, you must be doing a fantastic job if you've made a career out of it for six, I guess, going on seven years at this point in time. That's right. Yeah. Still yeah. a labor of love. Yeah. You know, nobody's, you know, paying their mortgage with why, why not? Yeah. You know, except maybe our manager. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, Jason. <laughs> But I, I was kind of curious because I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about quote unquote tribute bands, I guess, to, to kind of throw a generic term out there and, and how they come about and, and when people decide to do it. But I think it makes a lot of sense that the inspiration would come from seeing Rush wrap up that final set of tours, uh, not tours, but tour, that final set of shows. And how did you find... Uh, your other members, Mike and and, and I think uh, Rocky, but now later Patty. How did you uh, connect with them? Well, well, we we didn't really, or at least I'm I speaking for myself. I didn't really have any idea about how tribute bands form, or I had never even seen one. But uh, so uh, you know that part of it was just an accident. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, from the from the original song, it just sort of grew into us having fun, and really had no intention of sort of. I mean, we don't dress the part. We don't have the three male members, you know, it's a, yeah. that, and then we're, we do a lot of originals at the shows. So it kind of turns us into a little bit of a hybrid thing. So through that process, um, we, uh, I had a friend, uh, who I'd worked with out here, who's a great drummer and I knew he would be perfect for this as a, a live band and recording and everything else. And he was our first, um, drummer that we had for the official band project. Um, along with the vocalist who was also out here. And then so, uh, I guess one or two drummers later, uh, and a couple <laughs> other steps, uh, we we found Mike, uh, I think it was right before the pandemic hit. We we were just about to meet him. We'd already done some, some, some recordings, some videos and things, and we were going to start performing live with him. And that shelved that for about a year. And then uh, Patty came along last year about, geez, about this time. Um, yeah, yeah, and came in and saved the day as our new vocalist. And sim similar thing, it's it, it really, you know, it just fell into place, you know, and everything just worked, um, worked out, you know. I mean, it's just it's just this blind faith thing that we have. We just we don't even stop and think. We just think, okay, show, okay, songs, 
okay, record. Like, let's just do it. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no like discussion really. We just get on with it, you know. So that's really how they came in into the the fold, so to speak. I agree. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what he said. Yeah. I, I imagine. In and I guess it, with any band where you were playing somebody else's music, there, there's often I imagine a bit of a pressure to do what you can to replicate it as as closely as possible to the original, or at least do it justice. But I, I also think you guys, to a large extent, have taken on perhaps a little more daunting task than a lot of them have, because you're talking about you know playing the music of, of three of the top tier musicians really at this point in time of all time i mean there's people that just put all three of them in a top 10 if not top five if not number one uh, does there you feel a lot of pressure that comes with that or at this point in time have you gotten the chops down so much that it's no longer a concern you just do it hmm well i i have to say uh i'm always feeling pressure hmm. you know always you know there's always that you know that anxiety that comes before, you know, a certain chord change in a certain song or, you know, for instance, like the solos in YYZ, I could play them in my sleep in a coma upside down, but in front of, you know, a thousand people, when it's my turn, I still get anxious. You know, we work very, very, very hard alone because we know we don't rehearse. I mean, we're thousands of miles away from each other. Mm -hmm. So it, this band isn't only about, you know, trying to, you know, re for me, it's like reliving my childhood, you know, the music that I, I cut my teeth on playing bass, you know, it, it, it it's about, you know, having fun up there. And it's also a, a test of what you're made of, you know, about how hard we work and, and how much trust we have in each other, you know, that we're going to be there and we're going to be prepared. You know, it's like practicing out routes, you know, mm -hmm. three days a week, but you got no one to throw it to because they're they're practicing their route alone with no one throwing them the ball. I know it's yeah. kind of wacky, but you know what I'm saying? So you have to mm -hmm. trust that, yeah. you know, one and two and three and we're all there, right. you know? So that, that being said, it's a blast. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like tap dancing on a minefield, you know, you know, while juggling flaming chainsaws, yeah. but I wouldn't rather be anywhere else for those, you know, two hours that were on the stage, you know, let alone, you know, the hours in the van telling stupid jokes. Right. You know, the sleepovers yes. at the airport, I'll pass on. <laughs> right. Yeah, really. <laughs> That's an angle I hadn't actually considered that much as well. You know, it's, it's one thing because I know a lot of your recording and, 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 um, Oh, I've lost my word, but writing process obviously occurs online. You're, you're at his you're, house. At his house, yeah. No, he he's the guy. He yeah. Billy writes it all. All the composing. There's the word I like. Yeah, Billy. <laughs> Billy does it all yeah. and, and hands it to me on a silver platter as as he does to the others. And uh it's it's really I you know, it's it's like the total not way it should be, you know, but we managed to get it done, you right. know, through you know, everyone should be in the same room, but we managed to create some really cool stuff coming out of Billy's head. <laughs> well, I think know? it made you guys as a band to a large extent, almost uniquely adapted 
to the shift that most other bands had to make during the pandemic. Like I've heard over and over about how they've had to make that adjustment and suddenly are working distance. You guys were doing it. It's really will agree on that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, that's uh, Tim brings, brings that up sometimes because it's almost like what we were in some ways ahead of the curve on some of that. When that, <laughs> when that did happen, we had already started by being isolated and doing these, putting ourselves in boxes and videos and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it really wasn't any, um, any, any shakeup for how we did things. In fact, if anything, it was really, um, as I said earlier, the, the shakeup was that we were just starting to become this live thing. And then that sort of like went back, well, back to, back to not live, you know, for, for, for a time, but now we're back full, full strength, you know? Right. And our, our fan base during that point didn't have to swerve to, to figure out what we were at that point, because we just kind of just took a step back, capitalized on how we started and formed the social distance club. That's right. You know, serious on our website, you know, we get social distance shirts and, you know, our, our, our yeah. fan base was used to seeing us in four boxes on a screen, you know, and in yeah. silly Zoom interviews, you know, and we already had all that tech figured out, you know, so, you know, uh, while many other businesses were scrambling how to adapt to this new you know, way of doing stuff, you know, we were kind of like, all right, we got to think of more stuff. Yeah. You know, so it was cool. Yeah. And you bring up a great point too, about the idea of not being able to practice together live. Um, I think back to, you know, I'm here in the Philadelphia area. So if, if you followed, you know, Philadelphia basketball at all, about 20 years ago, you're probably very familiar with the the phrase, we talk and practice. Yeah. The Alan, Alan Iverson, Iverson rant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Of course. And yeah, you know what? Like practice is a big thing because you don't learn each other's tendencies. You don't learn each other's cues unless you're there doing these things together, you know, and uh, he discounted it. He was massively talented. I guess he figured, hey, as long as somebody throws me the ball around, we'll get something done somewhere. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, that meant he didn't learn as much about his teammates. They didn't learn as much about him. So that puts you guys in a position where, one, I, I, I can only imagine how difficult that is when then you get together and, and basically your practice is your live shows and that's what you're doing. It, But that's that to me speaks well, to a large extent about the talent you've got involved there. You guys are yeah, able to yeah. do that. Yeah, you have to have the right people. Like you have to have four Allen Iversons, I suppose, that all yeah. play as team members, which is, you know, that, that makes no sense, but you know what I mean? Right. Uh, so yeah, you have to have the right people that, that can do, can do this and have it gel right. So there's nobody that's sort of having to be carried along or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. And that is the opposite of what happens. In fact, we, uh, we definitely lift each other's game live. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and then um, the other thing too, is that, you know, rehearsing is a different animal anyway because it's really just sort of going through and looking under the hood and tweaking your engine a little bit the real way to get tight is to consistently play live because Mm -hmm. after you get a few shows under your belt um you know it's like you you're just going out there you know you're it's it's no longer thinking it's completely Mm -hmm. becoming this sort of organism of its own creation 
you sort of really do sense what everybody else is doing on stage without any, it's like this mind meld. And anybody who's toured as a band over and over and over again can tell you what I'm talking about. And then the audience feels it because they're being just pummeled with this thing that's just like yeah. this singular uh, thing coming off the stage. And and we've been lucky that we've reached that that level on a lot of occasions. There's always the time if we get a a break in the action, so to speak, that we might show up a little rusty. Yeah. Uh, but that's the kind of thing that we probably tweak out about and not really too many right. other people are going to check. We do. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We do. But, you know, we're up there having, you know, it, it, it from what I can tell, you know, o o over the years and, and particularly in this last year, you know, I think uh, the camaraderie on stage and the swagger and the cohesiveness, you know, but not rigidly cohesive where it's like we're up there doing calculus equations and right. staring, you know. We're, act, we're, we're, we're up there having fun with the people and with each other. You know, that's the best. I love interacting, you know, with, with these people on stage. It's just great. <laughs> Me and Billy telling stupid jokes the whole show to each other, <laughs> you know, doing leapfrog with Patty, funny faces at Mike. You know, it, it, it's all part of it, you know. It's just really my happy place up there. And, and I, I've never seen so many smiles for so long, you know, than I have this last year up up on that stage. It's just great. Nice. You know, it just seems like, you know, we really feel cool up there. Yeah. That sounds like it speaks to a band that really has developed a great deal of synergy. Uh, synergy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and it's funny too, because I think my initial thought was, you know, hey, if you're limited in terms of that practice time together, then that might perhaps take away from the ability to improvise but then i think well wait the way you're talking it sounds like that might open up the doors in some ways as well that maybe there is a lot of improvisation that ends up happening in your shows not a lot with us because mm. you know it's it's the improvisation thing i mean you know we're, we're when we mm -hmm. do any of the rush material of course right. we stick to the script right right yeah uh, for sure and then even on the original stuff um because stick some of the to people, the script yeah some of the people <laughs> that are familiar with the material they, they expect to hear it the way you know it was recorded and, and things like right. that i think the improvisational thing is really just the energy of the moment and the interaction with the audience right. that's almost an right. improvisational energy because it's spontaneous and it's live and it's real right. um, and we don't we don't use backing tracks and we don't so so we are we are sort of a moving thing we don't even really play to a click track so mm -hmm. so just the playing of our self that's almost sort of on the margins sort of improvisational i guess right. in a way you could say you know yeah that's <laughs> the spirit of the band that you are inspired by to begin with anyway right. because well, uh, they you know. were very much true to the original recordings live they were very much yeah averse to uh, a lot of backing tracks and things like right. that and, and you know until they hit mid 80s and then they right. went okay we've got to do some things here because we can't do a chorus of a choir behind us Right. Among the three of us, <laughs> right, right. and and with Rush in particular, which which we do sometimes too, but I think any band does it. You know, like by show 110 of the year, yeah. you know they've already like worked out these cool little funky things. 
right. you know, in the songs, different rhythmic changes, some little funky riffs, you know. So some of that stuff sticks and carries on from show to show with us, even though, you know, we have these, you know, moments of we're not together, right. you know. But I, I think that's the fun part of it, you know. It, it, it It's exploring it more as you're playing, you know. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. Now, uh, I'm guessing it's safe to assume maybe it's safe to assume that all the members of the band are, are at least hugely, if not primarily inspired by rush. Um, but are there other influences you find creeping in with your own music, uh, besides them, I imagine. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, the, the, um, I'd say each of us bring our own, um, influences, into it and and some of that stuff is very subtle so even if something let's say is like this overt prog rocky riff or whatever mm-hmm. really you know there's those tinges of what got you there that you carry with you in your style and your playing and your writing style and you know i'm very um melodic player and and writer and so that's always kind of um coming into the into the mix tim is an aggressive player but can um, sort of soften up his, his touch, but still maintain his personality and his playing. And that goes for Patty vocally. She'll tell you a million influences she has. And, and uh, yeah, it's, you just, you bring it in with you. And any musician will tell you the same thing that they, you, you just carry it into yeah. your spirit of your sound and your playing, no matter what. Who would you say primarily? Say? Yeah. <laughs> Who would you say primarily? Who do you think uh, has most... Uh, For myself? You know? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, geez, the list is long, <laughs> as you can imagine. But, yeah, sure. you know, song, songwriting-wise, you know, um, Tom Petty, The Beatles, mm-hmm. um, geez, there's a million. I mean, guitar players from when, when I was a kid, like a Trevor Rabin, still mm-hmm. to this day has leaked into my 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 mindset i guess um acdc in terms of the hard rock stuff right. i've got some country influences some classical uh, a lot of a lot of different stuff for me writing guitar wise musician whatever um yeah mixed bag basically yeah. what about you tim me <laughs> yeah uh, as my influences musically or yeah. Well, yeah, musically, uh, or well, I imagine that would be the same as your influences in terms of bass players, but maybe not. Well, like Ronnie James Dio, he's yeah. he's probably my biggest musical influence. He he wow. he does a lot of stuff to me when I hear him, and I don't know if if that comes through in my bass playing or not, you know. But uh, you know, I I don't set out to try to like write Getty Lee type riffs or Glenn Hughes type riffs or you know <clears throat> Geezer Butler type riffs, you know, uh, in anything that I'm playing. You know, I, I think I just, you know, like the little things I do, the little Timism things. I think it's just something that, mm-hmm. you know, I latched onto over all the years. You know, I never really sat and thought about it like, you know, I want to try to play like this guy or that guy, right. you know, <clears throat> unless I'm doing a rush song. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's just, uh, I think it's a big mix of, you know, like Steve Harris, Geezer Butler. You know, Glenn Hughes, Ronnie James Dio, Rush, of course. I, I don't even yeah. have to say that. <laughs> you know, uh, just uh, all that stuff. So, and and when I think of it, I used the term earlier, um, 
tribute band, but I, I don't think that's a term you guys typically would apply to yourselves at all. Matter of fact, I think you've got you've got a pretty solid description of what you do. I'll let you say that because I'll trip up over it, I'm certain. But okay. um, in terms of what you do and the description of what you do, how does that, in, if it does, how does that change what it's like being a band that plays primarily their own original material? How, do, how does that affect your interaction with the audience or does it? Does it at all? I think they love it. Yeah. I really do. I mean, I've, I've never, you know, nothing ever came off like a stinker yet, you know? <laughs> yeah. The, the, right a after the original stuff they're like the our last last show in the planes they were going nuts for it you know and and it's such a cool feeling you know something you know billy wrote that you know hundreds if not thousands of people thousands and thousands of people dig you know and it's in the vein of what they're there to see and i think you know we're not replacing rush you know don't don't think for a second that that's what we think you know, I, I we're our own thing and stand on our own two feet. And it, it's, you know, I don't write the stuff and I'm verklempt The people love it, you know, <laughs> and they do. It's great. It's so cool to see, you know, people with Why Why Not shirts and buying our CDs and, mm, you know, right, Billy? I mean, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's similar to what Tim said about his own playing style. The same thing with. It, you can't force anything because yeah. if something's like if if I was to sit down and try to duplicate, a, you know, something, it would just come off as just this, you know, I mean, some people might argue it does sound like a cheap copy of something else. I don't know. But but just I think this, the songs as a songwriter, I know you have to have a song there. You have to have yeah. there, there has to be, a, you know, a lasting melody and lyric that's uh, heartfelt and and the playing and every part of it has to resonate with the listener. You can't really fake that. So um, I think as long as we treat everything musically, whether it's original or garage stuff with, you know, with care and, and, and honoring the music and really caring about our audience, um, I think they, they can sense it um you know on the recordings and live and then you know that's really the only way that we know how to do it is just honest you yeah. know yeah that that that's a great description honest we're honestly up there playing this you know there's no ulterior motive there's nothing you know it's not this is what i have to do for a living you know it's this is where i want to be right now i want to be oh you know i yeah, I, I, I don't want to be away from my woman. I don't want to be away from my job. I don't want to be traveling in a van for six hours, but I want to be on this stage <laughs> with these people, you know, with, with these three musicians, friends, Yeah, you know. That makes that. sense. And yeah. again, that's carrying on the spirit of Rush in and of themselves as well. I mean, uh, they were never anything but honest with what they wanted to do and they were doing it because they wanted to do it not just because somebody else had expectations of them yeah in fact they they kind of i think went out of their way to ignore the expectations so mm -hmm. yeah yeah they, so. they wouldn't have we wouldn't have been blessed with 2112 if they'd gone the other route right. yeah right oh god yeah, they, they apparently were at a crossroads where they was like 
either start writing some stuff that sounds like bad company or we'll probably drop you. And they said, yeah. well, we'd rather just go right. write and record 2112 and let you drop right. us anyway. Right. Yeah. Neil could have went, Neil, Neil could have just went back to work with his dad at the lawnmower store. Yeah. You know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. And speaking hey. of Neil, right? Oh, yeah. Speaking of Neil. So we've, we've got a little bit of an event coming up. I'll say I took notice of it. Honestly, I was at the Keswick. I live near the Keswick, as you probably guessed, oh, when cool. I said I'm near Philly. So I, I honestly was there three three times in, in October alone. Um, but I took note of your show listed in various shows that were scrolling across their screen. And of course, I took note because, hey, these guys play Rush. Hmm, that's something mm -hmm. put it in the back of my head. Well, a little while later, my girlfriend surprised me for my birthday with tickets to the show. Oh, cool. And, and by then I picked up, I'm like, wait a minute. Now this says Bubba Bash. That's different from what I remember seeing on the mar on the on the display at the, at the at the theater. So I'm very curious how that all came about and uh, you know, how you guys put that together because this is no small lineup you've got going on here. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's actually pretty cool, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, we we had a show booked, you know, at the Keswick. And uh, we didn't know it at the time, but like, I don't know, a couple of weeks after it was booked, you know, uh, someone had brought up, that's the third anniversary of, you know, the passing of Neil. So we were kind of at a little cross, like, what do we do? Yeah. You know what I mean? Do we even, you know, what do we call it? Do we, you know, I don't know what to do. So uh, I spoke to Billy and then I uh, contacted Michael Maz back which uh if you're a rush fan you pretty much know who michael is are you familiar with michael he's i read he's, liner notes but my memory's not that good <laughs> yeah he's he's uh neil's friend yeah you know riding partner uh security advisor yeah you know uh, i should i should just, remember the name too i just read one of neil's books i just finished it not that long ago right right yeah if you ever, see, you ever see neil with a guy that's yeah. Pretty much Michael, Praetorian Animus. Yeah, that's him. So yeah, we got to talking to him, yeah. you know, and, you know, Billy and, and myself and, and Michael, we cooked up this idea, you know. Uh, maybe we can get Mike Portnoy to come play a song with us, <laughs> was what the question was, you know, because Mike has come to our shows before. Nice. And he goes, hang on, I'll call you back in a half hour or whatever, right? He calls me back. He goes, all right, here you go. Portnoy's in, Jonathan Dinklage is in, Bergamini's in, Bittner's in, Wesley Deerth is in, you know? I'm like, what? This is like way better than we had thought, you know? And he goes, yeah, let's do a, you know, let's call it, you know, Bubba Bash. Let's, right. let's make it a celebration of Neil's life. Let's do it with his friends, you know? That's amazing. And uh, that's it. That, that, that's how the seed was started. So we had to keep that quiet for a while until yeah. we could, uh, ensure that we could you know make it happen right. ensure that everyone was available and uh we had a meeting with all the players billy myself michael and and all the artists and uh i i had then recruited frank bellow from anthrax and uh it was a go and we were able to announce it and uh it's going to be really really cool you know we're going to have uh bubba bass shirts for sale at the event uh the, the the primary goal is uh a hundred percent of profits that we make on all this merchandise is going directly to cedar sinai 
hospital, uh, the hospital that took care of Neil. Uh, in his name, there's a link, a Neil Peart giving link on Cedar sinais website, which we're linking to. You know, there's no third-party money collector. Right. comes right from us, poof, right to the hospital. Anyone who wants to donate can just click that QR code and all the advertisement goes right to the hospital. And uh, we got a bunch of cool corporate sponsors uh, involved. And like for one, this this little beauty showed up yesterday. Ooh. This is uh, one of Neil's Sabian splash symbols that oh, he wow. signed in 2011. Oh, wow. You know, so this came direct from Sabian. So <laughs> we're going to be auctioning this off. Uh, all, again, all the money's going to Cedar sinai Right. Uh, got some other cool stuff. Got uh, some signed DVDs by Neil. You know, r- really like cool stuff from his friends. You know, and that's what this is. All these players are are his friends and not one of them wants any sort of compensation. They're getting themselves there. They're putting themselves up in the hotel. You know, they're taking care of everything. They're doing this totally, you know, out of love and friendship for Neil. And uh, this should be a really, really, really awesome evening. Yeah, it sounds like that's amazing. How excited are you guys to have all those together? Because I know just certainly for me, especially because if if there was a band after Rush, for me, it was Dream Theater. And if there was a drummer after Neil, it was Mike Portnoy for me. I I will say I'm a drummer. Um, that that's you know kind of like saying your your average tabby cat is a tiger, but at the very least, I I knew enough to recognize what I really enjoyed, and I've joked often on my show which you know all prog rock prog metal you you can hardly go a show without mentioning portnoy about three times so i've jokingly called him my patron saint of the show (laughs) so you know like when i hear that and i'm thinking like you guys i can imagine have to have some of these guys you're looking at going about the same way my eyes are you know huge you're like oh my gosh i'm gonna be on a stage with these guys yeah you know i i'm kind of seeing it like like my eyes are going wide and going, oh my God, because we're able to have these friends of Neil on stage raising money yeah. and awareness for Cedar Sinai, you know, geoblastoma. And, you know, and I think that's kind of eclipsing the whole, mm. you know, wow, stardom thing, because these guys are, are human beings and they're friends, you know what I mean? And, and that's just overshadowing anything else about them. Right. You know, they are so freaking down to earth and cool. Like, like literally, you know, not one of them batted an eye. They, it was, it was just like, yes, we'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. Yes. <laughs> you know, and it was almost unbelievable how quickly and easily, you know, this all came together. Yeah. You know, no one had to be talked into anything. You know, well, so a testament to the man himself that they are there to honor. No, absolutely. You know, right? It's just, yeah. Yeah. So we're looking forward to it. It's January 7th at the Keswick Theater. Uh, one night only this year or, or next year, actually. But we plan on doing it, you know, in uh, at least a yearly event. Yeah. Maybe uh, twice a year, once on each coast. Nice. You know, so, like yeah, that the, idea. The, so th- that's our goal, that this becomes something 
you know, that we do on the regular. And uh, we're honored just to have anything to do with it, you know, and uh, we're just grateful that uh, the guys who matter, you know, dig us, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. You know? And so. which kind of leads to another question I'd, I'd had in my mind, too, with, with like, I know you've guys <clears throat> have gotten attention from the press. And of course, obviously, you've got the attention of this all star lineup you've got lined up for the show. Have have you do you know have you gotten the attention of Alex and Getty at some point in time in your career? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah there, there was uh, this third party stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I never I never got a you know an edible arrangement from either of them. <laughs> but, you know, but we have heard you know <laughs> yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that'd be nice. I know. I know you've been asked before if you thought there was any potential of one of them making an appearance at this show. And I think at that point in time, you were pretty much uncertain that anything was possibly going to happen. Uh, who knows? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Who who knows who's who could show up? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. I certainly don't have any information yeah. either way, you know. But I, I, I will do one funny thing. Uh, like four years, was it four years ago, Billy? Was... Uh, you know, I always thought, all right, you know, the one of the three that would probably reach out to us first would probably be like Alex, oh, you know, man. right? Wouldn't you yeah. think, right? right? But uh, to- like, I would never bet a million dollars that like it would have been Neil, mm. who was yeah. the first of the three to really? actually reach out, you know, four years ago, right? Five years yeah. ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> Boy, I remember calling Billy from work going, dude. <laughs> You'll never believe, boy, you know. Yeah. So amazing. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It was absolutely, and and that's how we formed this relationship with Michael. Yeah. You know, uh, and okay. uh, yeah, it was really good. Michael Mott back. That is. Yeah. So, you rode. You ride motorcycles too. Were you ever out riding with them? Or no, 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 no. Not in the inner circle. Yeah. <laughs> well, God bless him for being brave enough to get on a bike at all. I. I not for me, thank you. I, <laughs> I don't. I my fear would be becoming a projectile. Uh, well, then you shouldn't be on one. Then I shouldn't. <laughs> You're I making should. the right choice. Nobody <laughs> wants me there. I don't want to be there. Nobody else wants me there. <laughs> it just ends well. Ends poorly for everybody. <laughs> All right. So, and and you answer most of my other questions. I think about the show in particular because I was curious what besides music is happening. You guys have big auctions going on. I love that idea. Matter yeah, fact, we have uh, uh, we ahead. have custom drum heads. They're right there in that box. Ooh. Bubba Bash drum heads that we're going to have everybody sign. We have a uh, a painting by Charlie Roy, which I'm hoping gets here before the show. It's yeah. it's somewhere between here and England, and uh, that's signed by Charlie, obviously. But uh, we're going to have all the uh, all the guest artists sign it on the back. Yeah, it's going to be framed. We're going to auction that as well. Uh, like I said, uh, we're going to have laminates, commemorative laminates that, that you could purchase at the show, you know, which has uh, the QR code. So anytime you're feeling like doing something, shoot the QR code, drop some bucks to Cedar sinai you know. And uh, I think, right, Billy, we were thinking about something like uh, making those, uh, the Bubba Bash laminates, like uh, some kind of why, why not show vip in perpetuity you know for anyone who, who you know purchases right. purchases one you know right. like sound check entry for 
forever. You know, and we may do some really cool special things down the road, you know, like, hey, if you got a Bubba Bash pass, you know, That's you can come do this cool. with us. Yeah, you never know. It, it, it's a cool thing, you know, and uh, shirts from Satellite Screen Printing, donated shirts. Huh. And uh, yeah, we're going to have some cool stuff. We, we're doing our best to raise money, man. I have picked a very good time to have a large amount of money available in my home equity line of credit. Oh, yeah? Yes. Right on. For once, I'm flush with funds. So oh, yeah? I, How I many may shirts be, can uh, I put you down for? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to do, do the calculations, or, and I will or, come or to the Or you like this wonderful symbol? Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm sitting here drooling on my lap right now over that. So, And, and th this comes with a letter direct from Sabian. Wow. You know, not literally, this isn't, yeah. you know, this isn't uh, something that he signed at a function. You yeah. know, this is, this is re the real deal. You know, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like this has the potential to be hugely successful. Uh, certainly the last time I looked, because before I knew I was being gifted tickets, I had started perusing to look for some. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the venue looked like it was getting pretty close to sold out. Well, you know, surprisingly, like even before we mentioned the Bubba Bash, we had quite a healthy pre-sales, right, yeah. Billy? Yeah, we were doing well. And then uh, now even more weller. Now we're doing weller. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, in case anybody wants to know how the show is going to roll, you want to explain like how we're doing the show that night? Bill? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to, we'll open the show with, uh, you know, our normal, uh, just sort of a truncated um why why not show um also because we wanted to reserve some of the songs we might normally do as a band for for the guests uh to to perform so <clears throat> there'll be an intermission and then um we'll start doing various songs with our guests mm -hmm. and then as the night goes on and builds and builds and then uh you know uh that'll be that'll be it and then we'll like we normally do, um, you know, meet and greet after the show and say hi mm -hmm. to everybody and and uh, get people pumped up to to donate to this awesome cause and and basically just all just just kind of gather in this energy. Hopefully, yeah. it's this theater that's all about something we all commonly um, just love and dig and respect. Yeah. And um, I I predict many chills uh, oh yeah throughout the evening on yeah. many levels and i think i feel like it's just going to be that like that from beginning to end and when it's over it's just going to be like basking in it for for the next year you know that's my you know, prediction <laughs> yeah you know the the just the idea of playing losing it mm. you know with jonathan uh, dinklage you know just i mean that whole that whole song it, it's just you know, yeah. I'm, I'm getting them now. Yeah. You see me, I'm, I'm starting to be a tomato up here. You know, <laughs> it, it's a very emotional song. Yeah, you know, is. when you really think about it and and not just, you know, when you're thinking of Neil, it's think about anybody or anything, yeah. you know, my mom, me, <laughs> you know, my friends, you know, it's just, it, yeah. Yeah. that that's going to be a moment for me. I can already that's tell awesome. you. Yeah, I can imagine that'd be awesome. As soon as I saw his name there, I thought, oh, I know what they're going to be playing then. I'm like, I'm very happy because uh, the Philadelphia show for that final tour did not include that song. I did not get to to see that live. Right. So this will be the first time hearing it live for me by anybody. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Because they didn't the, play it at, at Tampa. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, when I saw him. The thing I love most about this at this moment, and this is where I can geek out a little bit so much, is the fact that, you know, I grew up connecting with Rush right in the middle of middle school, right between Signals and Grace Under Pressure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, back in the day, Rush on general was one, not obviously making pop songs. So they weren't incredibly well known among those that focused on top 40 music. And those that, you know, got into a lot of the rock side of things at times, you know, there were a lot of the classic rock heads that looked down their nose at Rush because they weren't Zeppelin. They weren't the Beatles. They weren't part of that period of time. They were, you know, so I spent a long time being in love with a band that most people didn't feel the same about. And I got used to that, you know, it's the way it was. And then finally, the the 2000s come along. And next thing you know, I Love You Man's coming out. And then this other stuff. And you see it rolling. And next thing, they're getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it suddenly hits me how much they were more influential for a lot of people than I could even tell. And now right. it's at the point where they are revered on the <clears> same <throat> level, if not in some for some people, above those other bands. And to me, that is so... I guess, I guess heartwarming that that to me is just such a wonderful thing that to see that them as a band Neil as a writer and as a drummer ha have finally garnered the respect and the admiration they, they deserved all those years as far as I was concerned mm -hmm. yeah absolutely you know and, yes. and to see this is just awesome because I I, yeah. I see this becoming an, an annual thing oh yeah I think this is exactly what's going to happen absolutely here. Absolutely. And just and just to be part of the seed, you know, you know, I'm sure, you know, Billy, myself, Patty and, and Mike were just elated, you know, that we're, we're able to share this with everybody, yeah. you know, the initial one, the first one, you know, and, and I'm really excited to see where it goes and who who we bring along with us, you know, in yeah. the future ones, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. It yeah. could be something really cool. Yeah, you know. yeah. You, you guys, uh, you guys have got you're the, you're the the grain in the middle of the snowball that's starting to gather. So, you know, on, on that sense, uh, you know what I, I want to actually say thank you for putting this together because you know it's just part of honoring his legacy, and and you guys are the ones that get it started. You're welcome. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much, guys. I I, I absolutely am, am jazzed for this show. I'm so looking forward to to this. I I'm so planning to come with a uh, hand a fistful of money. Like Do I'm it. Going to a stripper club or something. Do you it. know, but with big now, bills. <laughs> now listen. Seven days before the actually five days before the event, I think I'm going to drop the auction links on eBay. Nice. All right. So I want everyone to go to whywhynotband.com. Uh, why why not on Instagram, Facebook, uh, the Twitter and TikTok, and you know, uh, bands in town, uh, our band camp page, everything because uh, that way you'll keep abreast of all the developments and you know, what other items that we may have to offer and yeah. uh, and stuff like that, and yeah. I really want to I really want to do something really good here. You know, yeah. we're really trying hard. It's it's a ton of work, but we're enjoying it. Yeah. You know. Excellent. So.
yeah, I, I have no doubt it's well worth it because, and especially the fan base that you're pulling in, they're going to be all for it. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get more support than you're going to know what to do with. <laughs> can't wait. I Excellent. can't. I'm there I'm for excited. it. I'm, all right, guys. Well, thank you very much for your time tonight. I really appreciate you uh, doing this. Uh, I look forward to seeing the show. I, I'm so excited about everybody that's going to be there. And I wish you the best with the album as well. You know, I, I hope that uh, is doing really, really well for you. I look forward to seeing you perform this stuff live. I'm just getting to know you at this point. So, you know, cool. it, it's, it's a whole new, I love finding new artists. So <laughs> I'm always excited for something new. Fantastic. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Thank right, you. Have you. a good night. Take care. Happy you holidays. As well. Yep. Happy holidays. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. All right. A big thanks again to Billy Alexander and Tim Starachi of Why Why Not? I am so totally jazzed for this concert. I am very excited for what they're going to be bringing to us that night. And I'm I'm very, very happy that it it also is going to support a cause uh, that's important to me at this point in time. Neil Peart being such an influence on my life and and somebody that probably is about as close as I could ever say would be qualified as a hero of mine. I don't really have heroes in the true sense, but... Neil would have been as close as you could probably get to being that for me. And so uh, this concert means a lot to me. And and the event means a lot to me. And like I said, I'm going to show up with, you know, about as big a wad of cash as I can put together. <laughs> that auction has me totally intrigued. So I'm, I'm really excited and I'm, I'm digging their music. Uh, Why Why Not has really got some good stuff out there, folks. I would encourage you to go check them out. YYNotBand.com. You can go there to look for the link. If you can't be at the concert, you can donate to Cedar Sinai and uh, their efforts to find a treatment and cure for glioblastoma. You can also find the QR code that'll help you donate on my social media as well as their website, all of it. So if you can be there, be there. Join us. It's going to be, I'm certain, a great, wonderful time. If you can't be there, do your best to help the cause, donate, get in on the auction. As he said, they're going to be posted on eBay. So the opportunities are there. So again, uh, thank you again to Billy Alexander, Tim Starachi of Why Why Not. Go check out their music. Get to the concert if you can. Donate to the cause. It's all good. I am wishing them tons and tons and tons of success with this effort and with efforts in the future. Thank you for joining me once again for Bleeding Edge Interviews. Just a quick reminder, you can find me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you haven't already, please check out my other interviews. They are available wherever you find podcasts. Just search under Toxic Radio. And of course, they're always available at ToxicRadio.net. Meanwhile, remember, Bleeding Edge is on Sundays at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern, right in the middle of the Brain Salad Sunday, where we feature all day long frog rock, frog metal, anything that pushes the boundaries. This is Super Dave, signing off.